Welcome to episode 31 of MTG Radio. This is Trevor. And this is Tom. And we have a ton and a half to talk about. This episode is going to be going up probably a day or two after when we usually try to have the episodes go up. But we had a busy weekend and we had a bunch of schoolwork and stuff because college is almost over. So we have a bunch to talk about and we're going to get on it right now. The first thing we're going to talk about is the $500 FM at Cool Stuffs that we played in, mm-hmm. as well as the Star Sitter. Star Sitter? Star Sitter or Lady Open. Because <laughs> Trevor forgot how to speak. That's, that's true. Yeah. I didn't think you could speak that well in the first place. You I can. You're a pretty horrible English major. I'm a terrible one. That's because you switched your major. Anyways, um, <laughs> so uh, we went to the $500 FM. It was really fun. I had fun there. It was crowded as hell, though. There were, according to what Trick told me, and when he was tweeting, we met Trick on Friday night at the FNM. Um, just in case you don't know, Trick is the the man behind the awesome that is Man Nation, and really nice guy, really cool. Uh, we actually were going to have an interview with him at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. But we met him that night, and I'm pretty sure he told us there were 129 people, if I'm not mistaken. It was upwards of 100 people, I know that for sure. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of people. Yeah. And Cool Stuff's just changed their location. They moved down the plaza. They were a smaller store before that, so I'm, I'm really glad they changed. So it worked out a lot better. But anyways, let's talk about the decks we brought. I brought um red-black. Uh, it's basically mono-red, splashing black for a better sideboard and for Blightning. So it worked pretty well. Um, I 4-0'd the first four rounds, which is funny. That's exactly what I ended up doing at the Orlando. But um, I went 4-0 in the first four rounds, and then I lost to Boss Naya, and then I lost to Boss Naya, and then I lost to a really good Goblins list. I'm pretty sure I remember I went 2-3 before I left. Like I, was, I won 2, lost 3. I honestly don't remember off the top of my head, because uh, I, was, I was having fun, but I knew I didn't make... Uh, contention for top eight, so I kind of just stopped caring about my rancor. But I was playing open the vaults, or open the filigree, no Sphinx of the Steel Wind, no black, it was just blue-white. The deck was fun, it was good, and I'm referring to it in the past tense for a reason that I'll get to in a little bit. I played the same deck at the Star City Open the following day, and I honestly kind of bad none of us top eighted, because I didn't get out of there until like 3 in the morning. Yeah. But, and um... We had, we had to wake up at like 6. <laughs> I don't know. Um, still speaking of the FNM, it was fun. The most fun that we had, though, was um, uh, Sally really didn't sort of want to play his competitive deck because he was already tired of it. So um, he de- we decided to give him a 100-card Singleton deck to bring that was yeah. completely standard legal and yes. actually won a match. <laughs> I, was, like, I was sitting behind him for the match that he won. It was so hilarious. His deck... I talked about it way too much that night. I know I did. Everyone was sick of hearing, sick, sick of me talking about it. Mm-hmm. But um, go ahead, Tom. Whoever I sat across, I would, I would just be like, oh, like after I beat them, well, uh, if you don't mind me leaving, my friend's playing a hundred card singleton deck, and I want to see him win. And they'd always be like, oh, really? Okay, sure. <laughs> but no, yeah. um, it was like it won off the back of Gigantiform. It was great. <laughs> I believe the play that won his match, the first game of the match he won was Gigantiform on uh, Griffin, no, not Griffin's Retaliator no. Griffin. Retaliator Griffin. Yeah, Retaliator Griffin. And then the next match he won, or the next game he won, pardon, was Hellkite Charger equipped with Lost Armor Hammer. Not Lost Armor Hammer. Um, 
Behemoth Sledge. Behemoth Sledge, yeah. Better than Behemoth Sledge. So both are really good ways to win. I think, though, to be in all fairness, he wasn't versing a very good deck, though, so... No, the deck was kind of Necro Genesis Jund deck. It wasn't very good, but it was it was a lot of fun to see him playing. He had a lot of fun playing a a hundred card singleton deck. It was really cool. I think anybody would have fun playing hundred card singleton deck. My favorite part about that is that we actually just turned into an EDH deck. But for going that, um, so I ended up going four three. My friend Kellen, our friend Kellen, ended up going four two with a Jund deck main boarding Ruin Blasters. Which I would which I would end up taking out Siege Gangs for Ruin Blasters at the Orlando Open on the next day. Which in that one I ended up going four in the beginning. And then I lost to Jun because they sided they sideboarded in three Dragon Claws and got all three of them in both sideboard games. And that sucks <laughs> when you're playing red black. And then um the next guy uh was also Jund and he got he was able to stay alive off of one Dragon Claw, and the next match, he just demolished me because I had to mulligan to five. So, I ended up dropping because my next match was Boss Naya, and I can't win it. <laughs> like, it's impossible yeah. for me to win Boss Naya. Yeah, I think that's the problem with the red, red or red-black decks. Um, Boss Naya is just way bad for you. <laughs> Crazy bad. <laughs> yeah, alright. Well, I won I went my first match. My second match, I played against Louis, Le- Louis Laskin. I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong. Probably pronouncing his whole name wrong. But uh, the player he was playing, uh, Gigas Live did a deck deck of his. It was four color control with Bloodbraid Elves and Blizz Cobras and Night of the Reliquaries and Jace. Weirdest deck I've ever played against in my life. But he never made a mistake. Like, playing against him, I didn't feel ashamed to lose because I made mistakes. And he was the tightest player I'd ever played against in my life. Uh, he actually ended up top eighting the Legacy Tournament the next day. He got fifth. Oh, he did? The next day. Yeah, he got fifth the next day. He, I'm pretty sure he like got 17 or top 16 the, the um, standard tournament. I don't remember. But he, he top eighted the Legacy Tournament. That's awesome. Congratulations to him. Yeah. So I lost to him, and then I won my next match and lost my following one. I lost to... Jund again, and I won against. Um, I think it was an Aya deck. I'm not positive that. So I was two and two. I was going to keep playing, but they kept calling for EDH side events, and I was really sick of standard. Like not just Jund and Osmire, whatever the case. Was. I was just kind of sick of the of playing standard itself. And I talked to Sally about it when we had gotten there uh, about possibly not playing standard anymore, and we decided that that was a good idea. So. Um, I was two two, like I said, and I ended up dropping after that because I was I was just done with standard. That's not my format. Uh, we took apart our standard decks because he went O three, and he had dropped, and we sold a bunch of our cards to Star City and picked up a lot of cards for EDH. So from here on out, you're not going to hear me talk about much in terms of standard, or at least not personal deck lists, because I'm not really going to be playing it that much. If we do go to F and M, which we still probably will. We're going to bring 100 card singleton decks. We're going to build, like, standard legal EDH decks and play it. And because it was so much fun to, uh, like, watch Sally play that deck. And, I mean, it's it's weird, but you still have a good time. And I was just not having a good time with standard anymore. I was sick of my cards rotating out. It's pretty much what it was down there. Which is sad. Um, I know that I just invested in this black-red deck, so I'm definitely still playing standard. I'll probably be playing more than I have 
since what? Laura Wynn Shadow More Eventide? Yeah, probably. Definitely, because that was when Red Deck Wins was awesome. Sorry. It's my favorite <laughs> deck. But um also our friend Kellen was playing John. He ended up getting the same record as I did, four two. I ended up dropping uh, we both ended up competitive drafting and we just got smacked in the face. I got owned by a really good mono red deck and he got destroyed by removal. So what can you do? Yeah. Um, after we dropped Sally and I, we played a EVH match, and this EVH match was it was good and bad. I mean, it was good because it was it was kind of fun, but at the same time, it shows me, and I was talking to Trek about this afterward, why I don't like competitive EVH or EVH without like the lead points. Yeah, because it was all literally just who won the game the fastest, and. I had Thopter combo. I got Thopter combo, and then somebody bounced my um my foundry, so I had that in my hand. What ended up happening is I kept going around. Uh, it got to there was this guy Steve Stillman. Uh, he actually knew us from the podcast, so I introduced myself to Trevor, and we got into talking about EDH, and I said I have an EDH podcast. So he's listened to us before, which I thought was really cool. And he ended up going like uh, messed all uh, the monster. He saw monolith or something like that. The one that produces mana. Yeah, and then power yeah. artifact, with, which yeah. makes it cost one less to do it, so you get infinite mana. Then he lays yeah. down helix pinnacle, right? Yes, exactly. Puts it up to 100 counters, passes the turn, and just waits to win. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I honestly, I was frustrated because that's kind of a stupid way to win, but it didn't take a long time. That was that's the important part. It'll be more important in just a little bit. Right after that, I have... Um, let's try to stop him from winning so he doesn't win during his upkeep. He looks kind of like a shroud, so it's not like I can target it. I had Tezzeret, Wrath, and Land in my hand. I had already played uh, Copper Foundry by this time, and I had Gens on the board. Um, Solemn and Black. I draw a card in the land, I play it. I tap a mana, sack Solemn and Black, and draw Enigma Sphinx. I play Enigma Sphinx, and it was... The only thing that I can compare it to is a Helix moment from that one uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. I cascaded the top card of my Austere Command. Seems good. Yeah, I ended up wiping Artifacts, and in my excitement, I wiped Creatures, but I actually should have wiped Artifacts, and it, or sorry, I wiped Enchantments and Creatures. I should have wiped Enchantments and Artifacts, because both Steve and the other players have Isochron with Tutor on them. Mystical Tutor and Barricader, I think. But I was just too excited at that point, and they didn't expect what was coming next. So Sally goes, plays this turn out, you didn't do very much. You just uh, think you played Mana Reflection or something like that. Then it goes to the next player, and he gets it in turns. <laughs> but it wasn't even like in turns like fast. It was, speaking of tomorrow's, I'll search for it again, play it again. Um, it, it took so long, and it was just, it was, it was headache inducing. Yeah, and that's probably. Oh, go ahead, Tom. The main way that he broke it was with, uh, I believe it's Drow New Lich Lord, where you can just play. Uh, that was his uh, general. Uh, yeah. Let's see if I can just get gather it to pop it up, just so I can get the exact reading. I'm pretty sure it's three for a blue and a black, and um, it's from probably Planar Chaos. I think Time Spiral. Or Time Spiral. I totally didn't get it. For some reason, but uh, what it basically does is it um it allows you to play uh, sorcery or instant cards in your graveyard as well. They have flashbacks, so yeah, there he is, drawn a lizard. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, you can tap him, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard, gain flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. So he would search up, like, uh, Time Warp. Then he would tap Drowl New so that he can just play Time Warp again in the next turn that he got from Time Warp. And then he eventually got to Beacon of Tomorrows. And then he had a... Uh, he also had a uh, Isochron Scepter out. So he would just play Beacon of Tomorrows, and he had 10 mana. And then he was able to just tap um, Isochron, which I think had Mystical Tutor on it, so he could just go back in his deck and find Beacon of Tomorrow's again and play it. So that's a degenerative combo that frankly no one likes to play against. I mean, granted, yeah. if you had wiped Artifacts, Trevor, there wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been so many Isochron Scepters running around. But we live and learn. Yeah, we do. Alright, and then um, another EDH match happened after that, which was uh, against, which was Trick Jarrett and then the other people in our group. So it was Kellen, me, Sally, and Trevor. And um, uh, Kellen and I had to leave early. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, how did Trick even win? If I could ask. No, he his, he was playing Euro. Oh, he was playing Euro. He's, he's the most popular deck to play, by the way. Yeah, for a good reason. I mean, he played Euro. He he had Euro out as a result. Um, then he equipped your not equipped enchanted with an epic portion or epic the one plus five plus five and sample or something. Yeah. The one from Laura with, with Flash. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And swung at Patrick and then swung at me. It was just a like game over. There's nothing we could really do about it. But he's good. I really like Earls in general, and I know as soon as um I comes out, Earls just gets so much better. Oh my gosh. Speaking of Raziel Drazi. We have actually one more thing that I wanted to say about Trick, and actually it's about Rise as well. When we were at the um, FNM on Friday. You remember the card that he spoiled, or that he showed us when yes, it, as soon as it got spoiled? Yes, I do. What was it? All this dust? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> should we just jump into Rise of Drazi spoilers then? I, I think that's pretty fine with me. We can talk about our new EDH deck after we're done with Rise spoilers. That sounds good. So, um, so Razio Drazi's coming out, and we've already talked with other people about this, but so far, out of the 61 of 248 cards, this seems to be the most EDH-like developed set I've seen in a while. Like, World Wake brought a lot of things to EDH. Um, so did uh, Planner Chaos, or like the Time Spiral Rock brought a lot of things to EDH. But Raziel Drazi is bringing a shitload to ETH. Like, uh, there's people talking about just buying a box of this just because it's going to be great for EDH itself. So um, the first card we might as well talk about is a Tribal Sorcery, and it's a Tribal Sorcery Eldrazi, and it costs 7, and it's all this dust. Um, it's What it says, basically, is each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. Thank God lands are colorless, is all I gotta say to that. And thank God Painter Servant is banned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no one wanted the Painter Servant grindstone thing to be in EDH anyways. But, um, no, this is definitely a card that a lot of people have been clamoring for just because it's removal for everything. Like, yeah. um, and it can go in any deck because it's colorless. So this can go in your blue decks, this can go in your green decks, stuff that usually doesn't have all of this, like, huge, just, like, wiping everything removal. Like, you set to play a Chroma's Vengeance, and that's just strictly white. 
or then you had to play Nevin Rawls Disc, but that only does artifacts, um, creatures, and I'm not sure if it does enchantments. Yeah, it's one I tap, know. destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. And that's it's it's really good, don't get me wrong. Nevin Rawls Disc, great card. But uh all this dust is definitely going to be a fixture in the EDH scene for a while. Just being able to just completely wipe the board of everything is something that you just can't take lightly. Yeah, and it also each player sacrifices the permanence, so it gets around uh, indestructible creatures. Yeah, so it's definitely a uh, it gets around Spearwake, Behemoth, and the like. So um, I'm a fan. How about you? Oh, I completely agree. Sorry, I thought you said it gets around Spearwake, Behemoth, and like I thought you were saying something else. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a great card. Like you said, it can go in mono blue, and it gives colors that didn't have. Are the sweeper a sweeper? It also gives the colorless EDH deck a sweeper besides disc. So, yeah. I mean, you also had O Stone, but like, this is good. It's a sorcery. It's it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you mind if I talk about the next one, Artisan of Kozilek? I would like to. It also brings up another thing I want to talk about ROE. But all right. So Artisan of Kozilek costs nine colorless. It's a creature Eldrazi. It's an uncommon. Which I thought it was yeah. rare, but it's uncommon. Uh, when you cast Artisan of Kozilek, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it has an Annihilator 2, and it's a 10-9. So, basically, you're paying 5 colorless for your reanimator effect, and 4 extra for a 10-9 with Annihilator 2. I am... I really like this card. I like it in Limited. I like it in EDH, because you get a 10-9, and it bashes with Annihilator 2, and it brings something from the from your graveyard back to the battlefield. It's going to be great in colorless Eldrazi EDH decks, and it's going to be really good and limited. But it has crappy art. <laughs> Tom's upset with some of the art from this set. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's been people talking about how the art from this set is just sort of like... I mean, usually you like the art in the most recent sets. Like, you've been... Like, people have been fine with it, to be honest. Like, it's been a lot better than usual. But... These days, I mean, with with some of these cards, the art is just downright horrible. I mean, it might look better on the actual card itself, but in comparison to some of the cards from World Waking Zen and, like, Alara Reborn, it's not the best. Yeah, definitely not the best. All right, I'm going to talk about the next one, and that's Emeracle, the Aeon's Torn, which I'm probably mispronouncing terribly. Oh, that's why but... you had me talk about the Artisan, isn't it? No, actually, I said, do you mind if I talk about the Artisan? But you said I'd love to, so I didn't mind interrupting. <laughs> it was really funny. It was like I was trying to take the talking stick very gently. You like, no, mine! And you just stole <laughs> right. Emeracle the Answorn, probably the Eldrazi, one of the Eldrazi you know the most about. It's 15-15-15. It is a legendary creature, Eldrazi. Emeracle the Answorn cannot be countered. So get your mind break traps ready. And, and be prepared, because this guy has a bunch of other abilities. <laughs> when you cast Emrakul, take an extra turn after this one. Uh, All right? so, so, so far, we have an uncounterable uh, time warp type effect. Right? It also has fly and protection from colored spells, and Annihilator 6, and when it's put into the graveyard from anywhere, shop your graveyard and do it. So. What? <laughs> Okay, 
Good thing this is the best on Razi, because if there was one that was any better than this, they would run out of room on the text box. The card would look like greater more <laughs> Yeah, no, but this card is really good. I think Evan Irwin actually described it best. He was like he couldn't take like how awesome this card was and just the fact that it even has flying is just a little bit like too much at that point you just are like really flying really it needs flying it's it's just balls out awesome yeah um just so everybody knows if you happen to like if your phone happens to play this and then not win their free turn uh you can oblivion ring or journey, journey to nowhere ever called the answer that is a legal maneuver that is a correct and possible play because those two enchantments don't trigger until they come into play. When they come into play, they're enchantments and not spells. So hang, go get your, uh, your O-rings and journey to players. Also, your Diabolic Edicts. That's going to help too, guys. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely one of the more exciting things that come out of Rise of Eldrazi. It's also the pre-release card. It's also the pre-release card. One card I would like to talk about, just because it's a representation of how much the art sucks, is um, Skittering Invasion. Uh, it's a tribal Eldrazi sorcery for seven. It's an uncommon. You put five zero one colorless Eldrazi spawn creature tokens onto the battlefield. They have sacrificed this creature. Add one to your mana pool. All of that's unimportant. The important part is how much the art sucks balls. You know what, you know what the, the, the Eldrazi spawn look like in this picture? They kind of look like a mix between the putties from the old Power Rangers and Cthulhu. That's very like true. You mix, you mix the putty and Cthulhu and the tarantula, a little, a little bit of Black Widow. This is what you would get. And it, there, there are just too many tentacles for my taste. Well, I mean, figuring that one of our first like podcasts was called, what, like, Tentacle Rape? No, it wasn't that rape. It was something like that, Anyways, but no, um, sorry, just the art is, is it's bad, guys. I want to I talk about the next card, but I want to play. No, no, go right ahead. You can talk. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about Gideon. Oh, you're skipping Ulamog the Infinite Gyre? Oh, you can talk? Oh, go ahead. Talk about All right, so this is the last of the legendary Eldrazi, right? Yes. Yeah, so there was Kozlek, which so far is arguably the best after Emrakul. This is arguably the worst one, though. It's Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, which is G-U-I-R-E at the end there. Um, it costs 11 colorless. It's a legendary Eldrazi. It's a mythic. When you cast Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, destroy target permanent. It has Annihilator 4. I didn't know Ulamog was indestructible. Okay, Ulamog yeah. is indestructible. And when Ulamog is put into a graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library. So it's a lot better than I thought it was. I sincerely didn't even know this thing was indestructible. Yeah, he's definitely indestructible. You know, just, this is a bit off topic, and he is kind of the he's kind of the Reddit stepchild of which I feel bad because he's good. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking forward to the next sunset if they make one because I want a mock Eldrazi card. I want like like Pussyfoot, the Infinite Butcher of Awesome. And it has like twenty, but it has like. When you cast it, flip your deck upside down. It has flying, banding, like, defender. It has rampage four. Yeah. I mean, kind of similar to old folk, the dinosaur that was like, it was terrible. It had 
phase in his Yo, bandit. Don't, don't, hit, don't hit on old fogey. I love that card. Alright, so, Old Fogey was from Unhinged. It literally cost a green and a green. It had Phasing, Accumulative Upkeep of 1, Echo, Fading 3, Bands with other dinosaurs, Protections from Homerids, Snow-Covered Planeswalk, Flanking, and Rampaging 2. Snow-Covered Planeswalk, that's really everything. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to talk about the next card, and it is the first of two Planeswalkers. And after I talk about this, um, I'll let you go back one in this folder, because I know you're going to want to talk about Atlas Angel. And it's horrible art, yeah. Continue. <laughs> Dude, right. even check out guard duty. Like, what the hell is that? Okay, please, please. I'm gonna get on to Gideon. Yeah, you're right. Guard duty is a pretty awful art. Um, Gideon Jura or something like that. It's three and two white for six loyalty planeswalker. Plus two. During target opponent's next turn, creatures that player controls attacks Gideon Jura as able. Minus two, destroy target creature. Zero. Until end of turn, Gideon Jura becomes a 6 6 human soldier creature. For mental damage, it will be dealt to him this turn. First and foremost, just in case anyone is curious, if you play a Gideon and you use his zero, you can attack. It's the first turn he came in and he has something sickness. So, yeah, it's the same with um, your uh, Manlands. Yeah, so don't do that. Which was um, actually why a lot of them came into play tapped in the beginning. Like, after um, Misha's workshop, a lot of them came into play tapped because people kept on trying to use them on the first turn. So they were just like, you know what? We'll make them come into play tapped. We don't even have to explain this to them. And then, like, when it came to Mutaval, people were confused. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, what? I don't understand this. Like, oh, because it came into play for tap for all these years. And it's like, no, no, no. It works like this. Okay. So Gideon... Um, his first, he called, he's already a six loyalty planeswalker with technically no ultimate. His plus two ability is a fog for you, and it, it lets all of your creatures attack Gideon, which also stops um, Annihilator. Mm-hmm. Does it really? Um, I think it does. I'm pretty sure it does. I don't know. Maybe Where I'm wrong. This creature attacks defending player. Yeah, you're completely correct. Because they attack Gideon, so yeah, it does stop Annihilator. Good call, Trev. That, that wasn't me. I read that on Twitter. I think it was one of the guys from Mana Nation that posted it. So I'm not going to take credit. No, you take credit. Stop telling me what to do, Tom. All right. Um, credit. You, they, you make all their creatures attack Gideon, and then his, his abilities are so synergistic. If they don't deal the full six damage to him, which generally, I mean, they're not going to. Hopefully, at least. That's what you're hoping for. Then the next turn, you can either destroy their best dude, because it's going to be tapped, or make him make... Six six and swing. Oh. So awesome. I, this guy is great. He also can't take damage. Um be aware, and I'm not the first one to say this. Path to exile and terminate. And Melter Pulse. Be- Ow. Just do no. <laughs> Although he can still get my pulse regardless. But yeah, no. Just path and terminate. Ow. That would be awful. <laughs> if you're suspecting that, I would not answer Gideon. Also, this is going to be the first instance that we're going to be able to have a tap planeswalker. So, oh, that's going to be weird. Hooray and huzzah, uh, if that matters to anyone. But I think that's cool. I think this is going to be really weird. Oh, wow. My brain just kind of hurt a little bit. Because I thought about like having Gideon out and humility. <laughs> I, I shouldn't think about humility. No, like... We were trying to play with one of the judges, and we just said humility. No, we, we were saying, can we ask you a question? He's like, as long as it doesn't have to do with humility, I'm fine. And we're like, okay. Yeah. That's that's a good preface to like, anybody asking you a question. 
As long I as you're agree. not trying to mess me up with humility, we're going to be just peachy keen. I, I didn't just say peachy keen. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh let's talk about Deathless Angel. Um, this is an EDH card if there ever was one. It costs four white white. It's an angel. It's a rare. It has flying. It's a five seven with the ability of white white target creatures indestructible this turn. Um, it's it's a good card. It's a good body. Uh, expected in mono white EDH decks. Like you can literally build a red white angel deck at this point. I know I've been trying to. It's not that hard. <laughs> Speaking of red white. It'll be coming up later, but still. Uh, it's definitely a good card. Making creatures indestructible is always advisable, especially when someone's trying to remove them. I will say, though, this is the fattest-looking angel I've ever seen. <laughs> Have I ever mentioned that I hate the art and rise of Villadrazi? <laughs> yeah, quite so a few times. Well, wait. Here's, here's uh, number two, right? Let's look at guard duty. <laughs> So guard oh. duty is an a common enchantment. It costs one white, and all it says is enchant creature. Enchanted creature has defender, and literally the picture is of this horrible-looking ogre thing holding a shield and a spear. Yeah. It's boring, just like the card. Although it is kind of a pseudo removal spell for white and limited. All right, all right, all right. So um. Sheesh. Kind of. So I guess it's uh it's your turn to pick one, and I think I know what you're picking. Oh, you do. Not really. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about hyena umbra. About hyena umbra? Yeah. I think that's important. Okay. It's a one mana enchantment aura. Enchanted creature. Enchanted creature is plus one plus one in its first type. It has totem armor. Um, I, I'm not even thinking of the standard applications for this, which they very well might be. Edh, Earl. Ah. He just got like, so much better. It's a one mana to protect Earl from anything he couldn't have been protecting from before, and he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. The only thing that gets around it is actually all his dust, because it makes you sacrifice all your permanents, but still. Hyena Umbra gets there easily. You just wait till turn 6 instead of turn 5 nowadays, and you just go, Earl, slap a Hyena Umbra on him, pass, and everybody else goes, oh. So... That's an 8-8 first striking Earl that we can't kill with Wrath. And they hmm. scoop phase. Also gives, you, also gives you a reason to play Hollow Burial. Oh, yes. I was thinking, trying to remember what that did. Put cards in the bottom. Pretty cool. And um, that other one, the Final Judgment from Kamigao. Yep, Exile of Yeah. All right, your turn. I have a feeling I know what you're talking about. Um, we are totally going to be talking about... Did we already talk about Lighthouse Chronologist? Um, if we did, then it's good enough. We should do it again, and it's also in the flavor of the card. To talk about it more than once. There we go. That's the best way to get away with that. Alright, yeah. so Lighthouse Chronologist has good art. That's the first nice thing. Um, <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> shut up, Trevor. It's a Mythic Rare. It costs one and a blue, with a level up of blue. Comes into play as a 1-3. At levels 4 through 6, it's a 2-4. But at level 7 plus, it's a 3-5. With, at the beginning of each end step, if it's not your turn, take an extra turn after this one. So basically it means, alright, he's at level 7, you pass. Trevor goes, tries to kill him, you do something to prevent it, you take an extra turn. Then Kevin goes, you take an extra turn. Then somebody else goes, and you take an extra turn. Then it's your turn again, and you got to take an extra turn. It's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. 
amazing in um, multiplayer, and especially good in mono blue EDH. Like, balls out amazing. I agree. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be really good. The only thing is, you have to make sure you play him late, because otherwise he's just going to immediately die. Yeah, you have to, like, be able to, like, play him for two, and then be able to li- at least level him up to level four, I think, to get him to the two-four range as fast as you can, because one-three is really, like, you're asking for death. Yeah. Uh, the next card I'm going to talk about is actually a black card, and it's not an MTG Salvation spoiler at the time of our recording, but it will be soon enough because it's locked the official spoil from Twitter. It is Hellcarver Demon. It's three and three black, Creature Demon flying, it's a 6-6, six, six, it's a Mythic Rare. Whenever a Hellcarver Demon does combat damage to a player, sacrifice all of the permanents you control and discard your hand. Exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast any number of non-land cards exiled this way without paying your mana cost. Uh, first and foremost, the art isn't awful. I mean, it's not bad. You look cool. It's also, um, as Warner just pointed this out on Twitter, it is a 666. Demon. Because it costs X for 6X, and I think that's, that's flavorful. But I also think his drawback is absolutely obnoxious, and there might be a degenerative, like some kind of crazy combo. I mean, I don't know why, but I think of Mirror Fight. Like, so you set up the top of your deck, so you know what it is, and you know the swing with the demon, and make your opponent not block. So not only do they take six, do you, like, put in six Eldrazi into play and just have fun and just say, yay, I win? Yeah, and then, and then they go all in, no, they can't go all stuff. They, I don't know if they do. They final judgment, and you're like... Well, the thing uh, is, you um you get to cast them. So if you have any Emeracles in there, you get to take an extra turn and swing and win. Well, you swing with everything, but Elfarber Demon. Yeah. That seems like a good... No, all combat damage happens at the same time. Yeah. And you would win after dealing six, then dealing that much damage. You sure. literally deal 20 if you just swung with the demon and Emrakul. Yeah. Actually, you would literally deal 20. You would deal 21. But okay. <coughs> Your turn, Tom. Okay. Thank you, Trevor. Um, I think I'm going to go into red, actually, and just talk about a card that I think is cool. And that's Splinter Twin. Um... It's an enchantment for two red red, and it says just enchant creature. Enchantment creature has tap, put a creature token, which is a copy of this creature, onto the battlefield. That token has haste. At the beginning of the next end step, exile it. I like this card a lot. I didn't know it was this. Oh, the beginning of the next end. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's really beginning of the next end step? That's even better than I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was the beginning of the end step. Oh, so not only can you just make a token like and block it, but then you can swing with it. This is an awesome card. An awesome, awesome, awesome card. Um, I'm such a big fan of this card. It's not even funny. Yes. Well, you can't swing with it. It just dies during your opponent's end step. That's true. But still. Um, this card excites me because of allies. I, that's just straight up the anonymous, this card. And doubling season. <laughs> awesome. So it's like I put into play two turn timber rainbows because of doubling season, which put into play four wolves, which trigger allies. Oh, wow. That's fun. Um, I have a question. Yes? I'm playing a red-white deck, and I animate Gideon. Mm-hmm. I enchant him with Splinter Twin. Mm-hmm. Then I tap him and put a copy of the Gideon. Yep. It was a Did good try, have, though. Wait, does he have the creature type Gideon, though? 
He's like, still he's still he's still a planeswalker. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, alright. Sorry. If anything, you would have to Sakashimi target him, but even then it wouldn't be worth it. Well no. then you would just have a six six Gideon on the field. <laughs> anyway, um, the next card that I'm gonna talk about is actually Bear Umbra. Hell yeah it is. I li- I like Bear Umbra a lot. It's two and two green. Bear Umbra it's an enchantment aura, obviously. In enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has whenever this creature attacks, untap all lands you control, and it has total armor. There are two things that I think about when I hear about this card, and the first one, actually, I didn't think about uh, Robbie over at MTG Color Five. Well, I mean, he is MTG Color Five, but he mentioned it on Twitter, and that is finest hour. Uh, yeah, I attack and no man and do it. Yeah, awesome. You know who it's even better with? Who's that? Omnath. Yes, he is. I was I was literally about to look him up. Yeah. Because I forgot just, his name. Yeah, you attack, and then you untap your lands and float them, and then you get Fonny Stowers out, so you do it again. That's really, really cool. I like Baron Brat a lot. Although, just a bone to pick, and I know they mocked this on either the Magic Lampoon or one of the comedy sites for Magic. I honestly don't know. All of the operas, I think Trick or somebody, maybe it was Brian, Mm-hmm. All of the umbrellas look like Wonder Woman in her invisible shape. Like, they're all just people sitting inside of animals. Uh huh. And they look really cheesy. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, Trevor, are you uh, decrying the art in Rise of the Eldrazi? No, definitely not. That's your job, Tom. Okay, well, I think we'll continue with Beastbreaker of Balaged then. <laughs> okay, so this was a card spoiled on uh, Mike Turian's Twitter feed, and it costs one degree to level up creature. And it's a human warrior. It's an uncommon with a level up of two and a green. So you play him on turn two, then turn three. His level up is levels one through three is a four four. Then level four plus he's a six six. So basically turn three you have a four four and you get to attack. The thing about it is, which is why everyone's making fun of it, is that uh, people are saying that Magic is trying to recruit a bigger female play base by this card alone because it features like a, a rather decent looking man with huge muscles and his shirt is and his shirt is off. And it's like it's like the like one of the uh cover sheets for one of those like romance novels with Fabio on them. Except it has a huge weird looking animal in the background. Yeah. Either other than that though it's perfect. For a yeah, romance I mean, novel. Not for me. <laughs> it's not a bad card. I, I I don't know. I think to me, the guy on the the guy in the art kind of looks like Garuk without his shirt on. It's, just, it's creepy. It, it gives me the feels. But if I look at just the rules text, I mean, four four on turn three isn't bad. Nope, it really isn't. It's it's going to be really good and limited, and people just get to make fun of it the whole entire time. Yep. Um, I want the next card. Pick me, pick me. What is it? Gelatinous Genesis. Okay, I I think I want to talk about it for a different reason than you do. So go. Okay, cool. Um, I'm obviously going to mention Double A Season, but it's XX Green for Sorcery. Put XXX Green Ooze tokens into play. I think, I'm pretty sure this is the first Magic card to have XXX in its rules text. Ooh. Yeah, scan to this. Um, but I, I think it's really good. It's cool in War EDH because you make a boat ton of tokens. That seems <laughs> and good. With doubling, yeah, with Double Season, you make even more. It's also ooze, which is cool. The art, um, because of you, you know, I'm talking about the art and everything. It kind of looks like creeping mold. No, the art on this, on this, uh, is definitely actually pretty good. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, what did you want to say about it, then? Okay, so um, there is a deck that, or at least a legend, that is really, like, no one really uses her, and I really never see why, but she works kind of perfectly with this spell and a lot of recent X spells. Yeah, Roshin Meanderer. She's three red-green hybrid. She's three and a red-green hybrid, so convert a mana cost four for a legendary creature giant shaman. She's a rare from Shadowmoor. Tap to add four to your mana pool. Span this mana only on costs that contain X. So she lets you power out stuff like Gelatinous Genesis so that it only ends up costing you five for four, four, four green ooze creatures. It's kind of ridiculous after a while. Um, I've always been a fan of the Roshin deck. It's just magic is printing out a lot more X spells, and it's making it a lot easier to play her. So, just putting it out there seems like fun. Yeah. Uh, your turn, Tom. Alright, so, um, we're gonna skip the awesome elf druid. We're going to... I want to talk about the el- the human shaman that pumps out elephants, but that's another level up creature that's kind of awesome. I know that you want to talk about the hydra, so yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll talk about the Kazandu Tusk Collar, which admittedly has good art. Check this out. It's for one and a green. It's a rare human shaman with a level level of one and a green. It's a one-one. When you level it up to level two, so you're ending up spending two green-green, you can tap it to put a three-three green elephant creature token onto the battlefield. It's still a one-one. When you level it up to level six, you get to tap it to put two three-three green elephant creature tokens onto the battlefield. It's still a one-one. So, more than likely, you're only bringing it up to level two, but still a good card. Yeah. It's really fragile because it stays on one, but its ability is fantastic. Yep. Uh, I, I think those elephants, besides being 3-3 three, three elephants and being awesome in the fact that they're 3-3 three, three elephants, are really good with Kalani Hydra. Kalani Hydra costs green-green, green-green, green-green-green-green, or 8-green. <laughs> it's a lot of green. Wait, um, sorry? Could you say that again, Trevor? Oh, sorry about that. Uh, I was just saying... Because they do tusk collars, elephants, besides being good for, I don't know, being 3-3 elephants, are also good with Kalani Hydra. Oh, and what's the mana cost for Kalani Hydra? Green, 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 green. Or eight green mana symbols. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Um, Kalani Hydra costs green less for each green creature you control, which, again, that's another form of affinity, but they don't like using that keyword because it gives people nightmares. <laughs> and... It is trample, and it's an 8-8. So it's fantastic. <laughs> it, it's essentially, this is what Mark Rosemarie was saying, was the 8-8 for 0. It's also Primal Crux, uh, best friend. Yeah, him and Primal Crux are like BFFs. BFF for life. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then uh, the next card I want to talk about is Naturalized. No, I'm kidding. The next <laughs> card I want to talk about is, uh, oh, hey, look, I get Realms Uncharted. Thanks. Okay, can I trade you Sarkin for Realms Uncharted? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, you can take Realms Uncharted. Okay, so this is actually Mana Nation's preview. Crick's bullet. Well, technically Friday morning when he was supposed to. And we saw him Saturday and we're talking about how awesome it is. People didn't even believe this was real until Watsy came and said it was. Mm -hmm. Realms Uncharted, which is awfully similar to another card we have. Uh, Two and a green, it's an instant. Search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses to put the chosen cards into the graveyard and rest in your hand and shuffle your library. Oh my god, that is awesome. Definitely like, awesome. It's good in standard, but it's especially good in EDH. I'm going to go get Maze of If, Guidance Cradle, 
um, I don't know, Corhaven and what, what's that? Um, there was a land you talked about last week that gets back a land from the graveyard. Oh, Petrified Field. Petrified Field. Those are lands I'm getting. Give me two. <laughs> okay, sounds like fun. Yeah, and I'll let you talk about Shark in the, shark in the Mad. Alright, actually, um, uh, you look up how much the uh, singles are going to be. For the single for that card is right now. But I'll talk about Sark in the Mad. So we knew we were going to get a Sark and Planeswalker. Uh, you probably have seen the art for this already. It's the one where Sark and Vol is all like turning around and fingering your face. Um, it costs three black red. It's a mythic rare. He's a Planeswalker Sarkin. Reveal for zero. Reveal the top card of your library and put it into your hand. Sark in the Mad deals damage to himself equal to that card's converted mana cost. For negative two. Target creature's controller sacrifices it. Then that player puts a 5-5 red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Kinda good. For negative 4. Each dragon creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target player. He comes in with 7 loyalty. So you can make 3-5-5 dragons. And then for 0, just reveal the top card of your library and draw it, and you'll kill him. But you've already made 3-5-5 dragons and drawn a card over the course of 4 turns. You should have won by now. Right, Trevor? Yeah, I completely agree. He's he's good. <laughs> he's definitely different. He, his first ability is Dark Confidant-ish, except he acts as a ploy instead of you um, taking damage he does. Really odd. Really weird design. Just like Gideon is weird, but I like him a lot. Uh, the people are talking about the standard applications in the sense of turn 3, Sporadic Dragon Act, turn 4, Library off into whatever. Turn five, start in, sack their own acts, and then you play a uh, roommate and they take a boat run of damage with uh, Sarkin's air quotes ultimate, hit, which isn't really an ultimate because it's four and he comes to play with seven. Um, it's also good if you have an e- uh, tribal dragon EDH deck or a tribal changeling EDH deck. Or just regular, yeah. no tribal dragons. You can just make a Bladewing the Risen deck, which is actually really good. Yeah. What color is this Blade Winger is in? Black red. Oh, okay, cool. Or yeah. you can make Scion um, of the Ur Dragon, which is also a really yeah, good deck. That's actually the one that I was thinking of. That's um, the I'm actually, Uberg. Yeah. I'm actually going to let you talk about the next card because I know you like it a lot, and that's Angel Harbile. Yeah, so this is the other art that was spoiled a while back, and everyone was like, ooh, look, it's pretty. And so, it's Angel Heart Vile, it costs five, it's a rare artifact, which actually has, whenever you're dealt damage, you may put that many charge counters on Angel Heart Vile. Then, for two and a tap, remove four charge counters from Angel Heart Vile, you gain two life, and you get to draw a card. So, Sun Droplet was really good. Um, I would suggest playing it if you have the chance. This card isn't better... I would say as good. I wouldn't say around as good. I don't know if I would say as good just because you have to remove four to gain two and you have to tap it. But you but see, it's, it's card advantage. Yeah, you get to draw a card off of it, which is kind of good. I mean, like, if someone ball lightnings you in the face, you get to just pay two, tap it, draw a card, and gain two life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of good. <laughs> but then, um, wow, that's... Yo, Trev, that's it. Kind of. Yeah. We we definitely skipped over a lot of really not that good stuff. That could be good, actually, but we're really not sure because it looks crappy. Yeah, we just skipped over the stuff. We went over a lot of the Eldrazi staples, 
on. If you have anything in particular that you want us to talk about, a pet card of yours or something that you're going to throw in your paycheck, let us know. We'll definitely talk about it on probably the next cast. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot of time on our hands. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, speaking of which, Realms Uncharted is pre-sailing for seven bucks. Yeah, I would pick that up for seven. <laughs> yeah, that's that's saying. going to go up more than likely. Yeah. Although they're saying that the uh, the 48 lands deck doesn't even have a place for it. Which I yeah. don't believe in the least bit. I believe it. I mean, I don't follow uh, Legacy that much, but from what I've read and heard, Intuition is certainly better than it in the deck. They don't really need a four mana land tutor. Three mana. So, three, sorry, three mana land tutor. So those are kind of ringy. Um, so right, are we done with Rise spoilers? Is that it? We're definitely done, and we can talk about your Rith EDH deck. That sounds fantastic. My Rizzi DH deck, this is the DH deck that we built that started from the framework of Patrick's, um, Patrick Asali, his standard 100-card singleton deck. We switched a bunch of the cards around, um, took out some of the lands, took out some of the not-as-good cards, and put in a bunch of awesome. Uh, it's Rith, it's Naya-themed, so it has a lot of five-power greater guys. No Blast Worm is a champ. Um, I absolutely adore that card. Also, it plays really weird. Like it plays a lot of standard kind of combos, if you would think about it that way. In the sense that it plays Knight of the Reliquary, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, even you play uh, uh, GK Sword of Fire Knights and Sword of Light and Shadow, but I don't own them. <laughs> Another reason why I, dry, I stopped playing standard because now I can actually get those cards. Enough about it. Uh, so. I get taller with Stoneforge Mystic. It's just really fun. I would have to say some of the all-star cards, besides Knight of the Reliquary, which I already mentioned, in the Web of War, in case you don't know what this does. I'm going to look it up right now so I have the correct wording. It's from Kamigawa. It's a... It's a... It's a rare. It's a rare from Kamigawa. Hold on one second. Well, while he's looking for that, the card that he likes to use with it is Wear Ancient's Tread. Um, not only does it go along with the five-power theme, but it's... It's really good. It's four and a red. It's an enchantment. Whenever a creature with power five or greater enters the battlefield under your control, you may have wear engines tread deal five damage to target creature or player. This card gets out of hand really fast if you have enough five power guys, or if you just have a general with over five power. Yeah, and Rith is six power. So, but in the war is three and two red enchantment from Betrayers of Kamigawa. Whenever a creature comes into play under your control. It gets plus two plus zero and gains haste until end of turn. All right, this card again with uh, where ancient Tread is fantastic because you play a three three, they get plus two plus zero, they come into play as a five five or a five x, really good. And um, what was the other? Oh, Avengers Endicar. You play Avengers Endicar for seven mana. He makes plants for each land you control. Him and all of your plants get plus two plus seven in haste. Dude, imagine if this card cost one cost cheaper. Like if this was two red red. That would be nuts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just reading a little discussion on the card, and some guy goes, well, you don't really need this mid-game. I mean, it's mostly a late-game or early-game card, so it should definitely just only cost two red red. It's like, no. <laughs> That's... That would be busted. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about my Rift EDH deck? Um, it's fun. Uh, 
it's mainly just big beefy dudes killing you in the face. It's it has a really good mana base, even though it's mostly basic lands, which I thought was really yeah. cool. And um, it was fun to build, like because we were really happy with the hundred card single to dance deck in the first place, and then it just ended up blowing up. But speaking of a card that's great in Hundred Card Singleton in his Naya, in his five color allies was Conflux, kind of beastly. Yeah, we added that because of Tom to our Naya deck or our allies deck. Sorry, and that is an awesome card for the allies deck. It, oh, it's so fantastic! Uh, I just want to ask the viewers. I'm pretty sure what I mentioned about Ancient Thread and Wait the Web Before works. If you stack it right, but if I'm wrong, please let me know in the comments or in an email because I think if you stack it so. Ancient Trade goes on the stack. Because I'm, I'm sure it che- when you play a creature, it checks the power. It checks yeah. the initial power. Um, Hold yeah. on, there's actually a I'm actually pretty sure that we were doing that incorrectly the whole entire time, but we're just going to keep on going and pretend we're wrong. Because if we're wrong, you can tell us and we can just be happy about it. Yeah, like... Uh, hold on one second. There's actually a ruling right here. I'm going to read it. You can talk about uh, General of the Week if you want, Tom. You know what? I would love to. So this is a general I've wanted to use for a while. It's um, it's uh, Razia Archangel. Am I correct? Yes, it is. It is Razia Archangel. That is because yeah, our Razia Boris Archangel. So yes, our hundredth yeah, our hundredth Twitter <laughs> follower was uh, granted the ability, I guess, to pick our general of the week. I don't know. Someone suggested it and we said okay. They also got a pack of World Wake. So if you're a two hundredth Twitter follower, I guess you should, you should be happy. Because we'll get you two packs of World Wake. I don't know. That'd be bad. Like if we get high enough, we just gotta start handing out like ten and twelve packs of pop. <laughs> anyways, so Razia. Oh, I just want to say sorry. Just want to say real quick. I looked it up. I read it. It said uh, for Warrington's Tread. After the creature is already on the battlefield, boosting its power with another spell, activated ability or triggered ability won't allow this spell to trigger. So, so I don't think it works. So it doesn't work. Yeah. So you just got to play Rith a bunch of times. Whatever. Still a good card. So Yeah, still good, but the interaction is this good. We've all just... Razia Boros Archangel. It costs four red, red, white, white, CMC8, Legendary Angel. It's got Flying, Vigilance, and Haste, which is kind of fun in the first part. It's a 6-3 with Tap. The next three damage that we be dealt to target creature you control this turn is dealt to another target creature instead. It's definitely a good card. It's one I would suggest playing. It not only just Fs with combat math, but it just... It makes her an all-around great card. Um, cards that go well with her, uh, because she is our general of the week, um, Argus Koss. Uh, he is... He's always been one of my favorite cards. Um, he costs three red-white. Alright, so it's A-G-R-U-S Koss, comma, Wojek Veteran, because this is when they had stupid names also. He costs three red-white. Legendary creature, human soldier, rare. He's a 3-3, three, three, but whenever... Agra's cause attacks attacking red creatures get plus two plus zero, oh, and attacking white creatures get plus zero plus two. So he's actually a five five for five, but he pumps all your other creatures. So like as you'll see uh, later on, it's kind of like it's a little bit of like a theme going through this deck that I just like putting in there. There's also like the uh, the preventative damage theme also, but you can go talk about the awesome liege. Okay, Bellfire Liege. This is Lightning Helix Liege. Uh, two and then three white, white red hybrids. That is a tone twister. It's a spirit horror, which I think is a pretty cool combination of creature types. Two four. Uh, it's a rare from Eden. Other red creatures you control get plus one plus one. Other white creatures you control get plus one plus one. Whenever you play a red spell, therefore it leads to three damage to target player. Whenever you play a red spell, gain three life. 
Uh, with all the hybrid and multicolored cards um, fit here in your general itself, this card is really, really good. Awesome lore for the deck, so yeah. Definitely. If you're actually playing one of the decks that like have opposite colors, to be honest, the opposite lieges were always the best. Uh, the green blue liege that lets you uh, have the uh, the untap ability, then the white black liege is the one that just killed stuff all the time. Then the red white liege lightning bolted pieces people in the face, and the green black liege uh, put in three three tokens. Like they're all ridiculous, and they're all really good. So if you can, you should play them. The red blue liege, in fact. Um, was is actually very good. That's a mind rack liege. Uh, we'll just bring him up because I feel like it. Here he is, mind rack liege. Uh, he he costs a three red blue hybrid, red blue hybrid, red blue hybrid, and he had the ability of for four red blue hybrids, you can put a blue or red creature card from your hand to play. So he's always been one of my favorite creatures, and he's really really good. So there you go. Too bad you can't play him in a Razia deck. I, it, it makes me sad. But uh, a card, another card that goes in this deck is Master Warcraft. Uh, it's kind of perfect for this deck. You're going to be swinging a lot. And so being able to Master Warcraft, even just to create a fog effect on your next turn, is still really, really, really good. We've talked about this card before. Um, do you think we should enumerate on what it does, Trevor? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think you should, because you have it and played it. I haven't. That's right. So... <laughs> Uh, Master Warcraft, it costs two red-white hybrid, red-white hybrid. It's an instant. You can only play it before attackers are declared. You choose which creatures attack this turn, and you choose how each creature blocks this turn. This just creates blowouts out the, out the wazoo. It's like, you play this during your opponent's turn, you can make them attack the other guy across the way, who they swore they wouldn't attack, and then like they end up dying, and you would actually get the kill points in my EDH League for it, so... It's awesome. It's definitely a card you should play if you can. It just it ends up destroying games by itself. So it's it's good and it's tr- it's a trick that like people don't use. So you'll be that cool guy who ends up playing this card. Plus it has good art. I was putting that out there. You and art. I'm going to talk about um, Brian Stoutarm. I uh, he yeah he. Uh, he's from Lorwyn. He's a rare. He's actually a general that a lot of people use for red-white decks, but he fits in Arazia deck pretty well, too. He's a 4-4 four, four for two red-white. No, 4-4 four, four, four with lifelink. And ta- a red tap attack a creature other than Brian. He deals damage equal to the target creature's power target player. That's really, really awesome. You gain a life because he does have lifelink. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a good, it's another sack outlet. Sadly, you can't sack him to his own ability. But man, he's still just a good card all around, and he works well with Battlefire Legion and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun when you're uh, blocking like against tokens and stuff, and you just block your token with Brown, and you sw- you block another token with the other guy, and you fling him at his face. You end up gaining like nine life, and the other person is just kind of sad. So it all adds up good in the long run. Um, a card that's also just really good, just basic, uh, Figure of Destiny. You should know what this card does. If you don't, I kind of feel bad for you. He's one of my favorites. But um, then there's the cards like Refraction Trap at Harm's Way. Uh, Refraction Trap from World Wake. Uh, it's it's good. It does the same exact thing like Razi's ability does. It's for three and a white. You can prevent the next three damage dealt to target creature from target source and redirect it to another target creature or player. And then um, Harm's Way does the same exact thing, but it's only two and it's for one white. Then you have Durgar... Du- 
D-U-E-R-G-A-R Hedge Mage. And Trevor should definitely talk about this card because it's one of those cards that just does a lot of different things at once. So I would definitely... Durgar, say- yeah, Durgar Hedge It's one of the Eventide um, Shaman Mage land guys. I don't know what they're called, but there's a cycle of them. I think they're the Hedge Mages, actually. Uh, it's a 2-2 for 2 and a red one hybrid. Dwarf Shaman. When he comes into play, if you control two or more mountains, you may destroy an artifact. When he comes into play, if you control two or more planes, you may destroy an enchantment. Really, really versatile, especially because they're May, so if you're the only one with an enchantment, you don't have to destroy ours, and you can still destroy some of these, mm-hmm. I don't know, ice concept. He, he's cool, he works, it's awesome. And then, play him in red white decks. And then I guess the final thing to talk about is a, uh, it's a common from, I want to say, Mercade, from Apocalypse. <laughs> it's it costs two and a white. It's called Orim's Thunder, and it's an instant with a kicker of red. You can destroy target artifact or enchantment, and if you pay the kicker cost, uh, Orim's, uh, it deals damage equal to that permanence. Convert a mana cost to target creature. So you actually get the fun of like destroying a Sphinx of this deal wool and making the controller take eight. There's actually one more card I wanted to talk about, and that was Spidemare. Um, this is just a card of mine, but I think this can even do well in EDH. Um, especially if you've played recently and you don't have a lot of the old or staple cards, this is good in a red-white deck. Mm-hmm. Two red-white, uh, two colorless and two red-white hybrids. So total converting at a cost of four. It's a 3-3 creature elemental. Uh, whenever Spider-Man is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target creature instead. And he deals the full amount of damage. So if you deal, if you shiv me your Spider-Man, he deals 30 damage or something. And Shivan Meteor is a fun thing to carry around anyways. So, like, if you're yeah. playing Spitemare, you end up playing that in, like, Fatal Attraction. So, yeah. Although Fatal Attraction well, works better with Stuffy Doll, but still. Yeah, you could play Spitemare and Invincibility. Or Indestructibility, <laughs> sorry. So you can't die, and you just keep dealing him damage. He turns into a Stuffy Doll, but you can target anything, which is good. Um, I think that's all we have to say about Razia. I mean... I don't, or, yeah, I don't have much else to say. Uh, Red-white decks are known to be fun. Bryon is fun. I know Tom is a Bryon deck. Mm-hmm. And it could easily transform into a Razia deck if he had a Razia. He just doesn't. Um, yeah, <laughs> although I, I do feel if you're making a Razia deck, it'd be fun to just make it an angel deck. I think like they've been, they've been making so many like really rather decent angels that at this point, if you wait a good year, there's going to be enough in red-white that you can just make a straight angel deck. So... There you go. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, we're going to wrap up this cast with just a few random tidbits. I finally got some editing software, and it's not crappy editing software, nor is it Windows Movie Maker, which makes me want to slam my head into a wall. That, that software is awful. Um, it's this, I think it's called Pinnacle or something. It works really well, and it was free, so I'm not complaining. Which means I'm going to be putting a lot more videos up over at our YouTube, youtube.com slash Radio. I actually just recorded two games with Sally. We were playing Horde uh, Munitions Allies versus Rookie Wagner, which was pretty fun. Who won? Um, it was 1-1. One, one. I mean, tried to record the third game, but then I got a phone call. So, neither of us. Both of us. Transcendental answer. Um, also, make sure you enter the contest. It's still on. It's on until April 11th. In case anybody's wondering, the contest involves creating a colorless EDH general that uses the art of Pathraiser of Lamont, which is good art, Tom. Don't deny. He has a lot of fingers. Yeah, he does. But he's... Come on. Emerald <laughs> has tentacles. Like, what are you talking about? That's... Anyways, that's before April 11th, 
for the chance yeah. to win two packs for first or one pack for second of World Wake. And third, I believe, gives her love and admiration. Yeah, the, yeah, of course they do. I mean, you mentioned in the last two podcasts, but you can post your responses in comments, or you can email them to us, or uh, at our own comments on our YouTube channel. Tweet them at us. Whatever, whatever is the best medium for you to get the information to us, we'll be fine in accepting it. Um, finally, I'll let Tom give the last news. Alright, so you should definitely stay tuned for an interview with Trick Jarrett, the founder and awesome man behind Man and Nation. Um, I was able to interview him for a good... It's a good 12-minute interview, but we got, like, distracted a lot during it, so it might be cut down to about 9 minutes. But it should be at the end of the podcast, after we finish. And, yeah. That sounds good. Also, you should follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mtgradio or YouTube, because we already mentioned it before, at youtube.com slash radio, Or you can email us at mtgradio at mtgcast.com, because that's how you should contact us. Yes, and also, we mentioned Man of Nation quite a few times. We did met... Did, we did met. We did meet Trick. Really, really nice guy. Honestly, mm-hmm. awesome guy. Really fun to play DH with. Um, check out manonation.com. They have a lot of good deals, especially if you buy stuff from Cool Stuffs. Yeah. So they're a really great website, a lot of awesome information, a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Uh, he keeps everything magic really up to date, and he's really prompt, so do that. So, and Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I, was, I was actually just going to close up the cast, but that is kind of your job. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, all right, well, Tom's going to do it this time, I'm not going to YouTube it. All right, guys, from episode 31 of MTG Radio, this is Trevor. And this has been Tom. And thanks for tuning in. All right, so I'm Tom Delia with good old MTG Radio, and we have the one and only Trick Jarrett of Man and Nation with us. Howdy. You say howdy? Yeah. So do, I thought I was the only person that said howdy. Howdy is the only proper way to, to greet people. That's, this is unfair. Okay. So, start it off easy, start it off simple. How did you start Man and Nation, and why? Well, I was getting back into the game, and I had uh, just recently left my job in the comedy club. I was managing the night manager for it, uh, and I, one of my friends was getting into video production, and I was just tossing around the idea. I was like, hey, and at the time, I actually didn't know Evan was doing the magic show, so I thought that I was I was tired of listening to the audio podcasts about magic, so I decided, hey, I'll do a video one, and I started doing it, and I, at the time, I was like, okay, I don't know enough about magic. I'm just getting back into it. I need a pro to be the, you know, the co-host. And I reached out to Antonino DeRosa, who grew up in Orlando and went to college here. Uh, but he wasn't any longer here. He had moved on. But he put me in contact with my ex-co-host, Lee Stett, and uh, things got rolling from there. That's definitely awesome. So you were a comic? I, I do improv comedy. You do? Mm-hmm. Are you good? Yes. Okay, so there's a bear and a clown in the room. What's the funniest thing to say? The Jew. <laughs> okay, so we're an EDA-centric podcast. Do you play EDH? I do. I have a, a Ural deck with me right now. Okay, so you play Ural. Um, I also have a vampire and a goblin, but I didn't bring those. I only brought Ural with me. All right, thank you. You kind of saved yourself there. I'm not a fan of playing against Ural. It's good. It's really good. That's the reason I built it. My other two are purely Vorthos, like, thematic, not... And unfortunately, the EDH at Cool Stuff is very, um, very aggressive, very competitive. 
so I, I found less enjoyment playing them with my you know non-competitive decks. So Ural's my first venture into competitive EDH, and I did air quotes, which you all can clearly hear. Definitely. Well, they're the best things to hear. Air quotes, like air high fives are fun. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's also great. Yeah. So, um... Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. All right, so question just sort of so you know those stupid Geico commercials with the guy and his cell phone rings that ring ding 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 no what are your thoughts on that uh, I find generic ringtones and comedic ringtones to be especially annoying because right? a ringtone is meant for one purpose to notify the person who has the phone that they need to pay attention to it not to notify the room of how interesting you are as a person and it doesn't make you interesting it just makes you sound more annoying it's like wow you're buying into that really yeah. same with do you remember ringback tones where you call someone you have to listen to a song yes. you're so awesome because I have to listen to Boom Boom Pow for a minute now but it's so much better than you know listening to the, the dull ringing tone I think they should instead uh, do ringback stand up comedy and run things like uh, you know George Carlin uh, you know any of these other great stand up comedians and you should be forced to listen to their comedy while you're waiting to answer but then it wouldn't be forced you'd be glad to you would actually hope people wouldn't pick up well you can be you can enjoy something you're forced to do Okay, so why should people go to ManaNation.com? Uh, it's the Ultimate Magic website. While we don't aim to be a star city, we don't have pros writing for us regularly. We do on occasion. We're, we're aimed at more of the newly competitive or the uh, newly new to the game. Uh, we really focus on teaching and bringing along the, the less competitive players. Uh, we also reach out to casual. I have two writers who regularly cover EDH on Tuesdays. Uh, we, we cover spoilers a great deal. We've broken a number of them in the recent years. Uh, and, of course, uh, I rock, so you need to come in and pay attention to what we do. We also have two excellent webcomics going right now. We, have, we also have two excellent webcomics running. We have Tapped, which is a, a very cinematic comic book style. I'm a fan. Yeah. And then we have XMTG, which is my homage to XKCD. I say homage. Maybe we'll consider it a blatant ripoff, but... It's an homage because I recognize and, and admit frequently on the site that it's a ripoff of XKCD. Okay, so um, some some other basic magic questions. What's your favorite card? Uh, my favorite card ever is a horrible, horrible creature from a Mirage block called Catacomb Dragon. What does that do, sir? <laughs> it's a 4-4, and when it, whenever it blocks a creature, that creature's power to, or power is halved. That sounds like fun. It's fun, but it's not it's not competitively awesome. Well, my favorite card is Jareth Lean and Titan, so I know how you feel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, clearly, we, we are akin. Definitely. So how did you even get into magic? Uh, I started magic back when I was in school. Um, my mom worked at the school I was going to, so I got there early. And I would just go to my uh, first period teacher's class, and her son would be in there playing around, and he and his friends started playing magic, and that was how I first got into it. I've since played and quit multiple times. Uh, in college, I worked at a game shop during uh, Mirrodin Kamigawa in Ravnica. That would cause me to quit, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, I just, I played chess growing up, and Magic was just a more flexible, more creative uh, stretch of that, that side of the brain. More colorful, and depending on when you started, it could have been prettier looking, unless it was in the beginning, because those cards didn't look good. Yes. The, the early art, if you actually, you actually will find out, like Cockatrice, the art is actually from Dungeons & Dragons. The art was uh, originally submitted for the early first edition Dungeons & Dragons, and you 
even though Wizards of the Coast was separate from TSR at the time, they, they did take a number of early art pieces from that. And plus, we just didn't have the, the nurturing environment that encouraged artists to be capable of doing what they, what they are doing. So, uh, just to let you know, Trevor and Sally are playing an EDH game, and everything just erupted. So. Anyways, what's your favorite format? And you have to say EDH. EDH. What's your actual favorite format? Uh, it's tough to say. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the competitive side of the game. I like standard just because it's the uh, most frequently played. I don't have much experience with the eternal formats, but I haven't really ventured into them. Uh, of the casual formats, that EDH is clearly my favorite. That's that's definitely really cool to hear. So, um, is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners? Maybe a nice little extra plug for Mananation.com? Well, if you insist. I insist. Uh, you know, Mananation.com has been around since 2007. We're an up-and-coming site, quickly growing. We just recently had a record-setting day uh, for uh, Rise of the Eldrazi spoilers. Uh, most traffic ever. You, you did get a really good spoiler, which will be an EDH staple. Yes, yeah. Uh, Realms Uncharted, the clear gifts I'm giving homage was uh, uh, quite a nice surprise. Uh, we've been, we've, it's good. We've been on a hot streak since Vampire Nighthawk. I mean, we've come a long way from Kedrick Parasite and uh, Vampire Crack. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that, I had to sit on that card for a week. I wasn't allowed to tell really? anyone about it. How was that? It's tough. You know, I, I, I make clear to the PR contact that I work with, with for Wizards. I was like, look, I need the card early because I have to put the episode together. I have to figure out how exactly. I have to put the episode together, so I have to know how to, you know, what I'm going to do, have the time to edit it, make sure nothing goes wrong. And uh, so, yeah, I get in on Monday. I'm not allowed to spoil it till Friday, and I just have to sit on it and not tell anyone how amazing this new gift I'm given is. And it's possibly the most torturous thing I do in my life. That would be a kill for me. I, I don't think I could do it. It'd be like if someone gave me, like, Kozilek Butcher Truth a week early and said, you can't tell anybody about this, it'd be on MGD Salvation in two hours. It's, it's three, three hours. It's tempting. It's very tempting. But when you run the site like Mana Nation, there, there is truly a major benefit to having that card spoiled on the site. And if it gets spoiled early, there's no one else to blame. So I would A, be burning my bridge for all future spoilers. Which is true. And B, I would be punishing myself for the immediate future because uh, if it shows up on MC Salvation, I get no benefit from it. If it shows up on Mana Nation, I'm clearly punished and not going to be getting anything, any cooperation from Wizards in the future. So uh, there's definite motivation for me to behave. And then um, a question I'm probably going to be asking a lot of people. What do you think Rise of impact is going to be on EDH? From what we've seen so far, it, it's looking more EDH-y than World Waker was, which was interesting because Ken Nagel was the lead designer on World Waker, and he's a huge EDH fan. I know we got Terracidon, we got Rexio, we got Fauna Adele, which is beastly if you haven't tried her. A lot of things came from there. Yeah, but I think there's going to be more in Rise of the Eldrazi. First off, we'll watch a small step. So Rise of Eldrazi has already got a card advantage there. Plus, Rise of Eldrazi is clearly aimed at having big fatties rolling on the table. Gotta love the fatties. Yes. Yeah. Clearly, that's the right choice here. Yeah, so I'm a fan of 
card recently spoiled is seven colors. Destroy all color permanents. All is dust. All is dust. That's going to get annoying fast. I don't think it's going to be out of control. Seven, seven seems, you know, some people say it's too high, some people say it's too low. People are concerned with Eye of Ugin and the uh, Eldrazi Temple. But I don't think that it's going to become unreasonable. It's just another board clear that's uh, harder to cast. I mean, you're talking basically about a three-card combo to make that card reasonable to cast. Yeah, to make it eight a day. In EDH, it's clearly going to become more powerful because it'll be in all the decks. Mm-hmm. At EDH, you regularly hit seven mana. You have to hit seven mana. And yeah, so, yeah, the card will definitely need heavy consideration in the EDH as a universal board suite. But we, we know that EDH is a popular format in R&D, so it has to have been tested and they must have come to the decision that it's not going to wreck the format. It's, it's a pretty hard format to wreck unless they're going to, like, standardize it. And personally, if they try and do that, I'll be against it. I was just joking with Sheldon about the idea of a sharding EDH into standard EDH, extended EDH, and stuff like that. He just about punched me in the gut. I, just, <laughs> I think we're safe from that happening. Well, thank the Lord. So, that was Trick Jarrett from Manonation.com. Great site. I'm a fan. Trevor's a fan. Even Sally's a fan. Uh, so, this has been uh, Tom from MTG Radio. And thank you so much for tuning in.